the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Southern California Live once again. It's election day. Great to be with you today. And uh, wherever you may be, it's getting dark out. So weird. We lost. Uh, I guess this might be the last time, actually, that we changed the clocks back. I, they're looking at it. Congress, I think, uh, depending on what the next Congress does, probably. But they're looking at getting rid of uh, the time change. We'll go to daylight savings. We will spring forward and then be done. We'll be done with all of that. I, for one, am in favor of that. I know people have a different opinion, but that's what Election Day is so often about. We have some different opinions, so I want to encourage you to go out there and vote and to uh, pay attention, actually, to what is going on. If you haven't voted yet, you can start at the back of your ballot and take a look at the school board candidates, take a look at people who are uh, running for those offices that maybe we tend to ignore so often and check it out. The reason why is there's crazy stuff out there being taught uh, to our our kids. This is uh, Gretchen Whitmer from uh, the governor of Michigan. Bipartisan tax cut will help reduce the economic burden of the cost of menstrual products, especially for lower income Michiganders. Saving people with a period from paying taxes on up to $4,800 in spending over the course of their lifetime. Did you notice the phrase she used, saving people with a period? That is the craziness. There's only one type of people who has that go on. It's women. It is the erasure of women. It's such a strange thing. But that has come in maybe under the radar for a lot of people. And uh, those kinds of things are, are on the ballot. Those are some things that I think as a culture we've got to really look at. These things are not small. It doesn't mean that you don't care for people who are dealing with gender dysphoria and you don't get into that issue from a scientific perspective. There's so many different things that matter here. But this one matters a lot. Uh, The way we look at human beings, I think it matters. Certainly, I think it matters as a Christian because Genesis tells us that we are created in God's image, male and female. He created us. And certainly taking a look around uh, what we see in the world today is um, all kinds of conversation that seems to change what is real. And I think nowhere more than with our kids this matters. You know, I mean, as adults, we can have nuanced conversation about these things. We can take a look and challenge each other and really look at science and stuff. But one of the things that is going on is that this agenda to remove male and female, essentially, but also to to remove consequences of sex acts that are not safe. These things are going on in our schools with little kids, kids who are the youngest. And these things have been a big issue in our, our politics now for the last couple of years. They are a huge issue now as we take a look at at schools and what is going on. 
And my guest here is Joelle Mancuso. Joelle is running for school board, Caneo Valley Unified School District. We had her on uh, last week, I believe. And I just want to get an update from you, Joelle. How's it going today? Good afternoon. It's uh, it's an exciting day. Yeah. We'll figure out what's going on in Canal Valley here in the next, uh, I don't know, six, seven hours. In the next few hours, hopefully. And uh, yeah. you, you are, uh, is this the first time you've ever run for anything? Yes, first time. So what was it like when you opened up your uh, your sample ballot and there's your name? It's a little surreal and exciting. And I have to tell you, I saw my ballot a while ago, but waking up this morning and realizing that this had all um, all, uh, made it to this point of the big day, and it's uh, it's something else. I can't describe the feeling. Yeah, well, you know what? It is. Uh, it's a great thing that you put yourself yourself out there, as many uh, school board members have across the country, parents and people who are concerned about what is going on. And uh, so, thank you for doing that for all of us. Absolutely, it's worth it. You know, doing it for the kids. They are the innocent, and they need protecting. And uh, unfortunately, parents are trying are being taken out of the equation, and so we have to step up and make sure that doesn't happen. I think that this is not a a Democrat or Republican issue. I think this is a parent issue across the board. I think that most parents, regardless of who you voted today, say, for example, I'll bet that most people who voted for governor and voted for different parties today, I think they're on the same page as far as a lot of these issues that are going on in the schools. Oh, absolutely. And someone said, well, how will you know at eight o'clock when a lot of the Republicans are voting today and those won't be counted till tomorrow or the next day or by the end of the week? And really, with school board, it's a nonpartisan race. And as we knocked on thousands of doors and we actually spoke to people and nobody, Democrat, Republican, independent or other, was okay with what's happening in the schools. They simply just did not know what was in the schools. So what are uh, maybe some updates of what's happening in uh, the school district you're for running for? It's Conejo Valley Unified School District, is that correct? Conejo Valley Unified, yes. Yeah. Um, we, have, we have some, uh, our parents are paying attention, and they've, they've tried speaking to the board and going through their local schools, and there's just been no success. So unfortunately, we've, um, I understand there is a lawsuit that is going against the district for uh, uh, targeting this uh, sex ed, the comprehensive sex ed, and their gender ideology, and it isn't for uh, an amount, it's to extract it. To, so to get rid uh, of it. Exactly. So uh, it seems to be the only thing they listen to these days. You know, it's uh, in the Caneo Valley uh, Unified School District. This this has made national news, the parents' involvement at the school district that you're running for. Yes, unfortunately. Yeah, it's probably <laughs> brought a little more attention than you wanted when you first filled out your forms to run. Yes, it's not really something that a city ever wants to be on as national news. It shouldn't be. Right. But this is a, a problem nationwide. I am very proud that we're in a a community that has decided to be part of a solution. And for that, I am, I'm proud of our Canal Valley. Yeah. And I think um, it's going to, like you said, it is national. And I want people to realize this is happening very likely in your school district, wherever you might be listening. Yes. 
Um, and so one thing I think that's important is however this turns out as far as the election goes, there is a lot of work to do. It doesn't just end for two years. Yes, exactly. Uh, a lot of people have been asking, you know, what, uh, what happens if you don't get elected or if you're elected? I said it doesn't really matter one way or another. We have to get education back on track, whether I sit in a trustee seat or it's been another way. We are going to figure out how to make sure that these kids and the next generation get the education that they deserve because uh, education has been hijacked and we need to get it back on track. So what uh, so the process that your school district is going through to remove and the the, um, the sex ed curriculum specifically that you're talking about is one that encourages uh, lots of uh, very explicit sexual behavior for kids. Right. The seventh grade version has uh, descriptions of basically every kind of sexual act you can have. And a lot of it, it, co- it calls abstinence, oddly enough, and it's not at all abstinence. No, they introduced anal sex and oral sex as a, in the abstinence chapter as the way that you can't get pregnant because this particular curriculum, Teen Talk, one of the creators is Planned Parenthood. So we like to have lots of customers. So they, they're more, it seems that the, the most important endeavor with Teen Talk is to make sure the kids are sexually active. So in that abstinence chapter, you don't have abstinence as far as morality. You just have abstinence to having intercourse. I think that what you said there is really key here is that this is not a, a it's not even just a biological sex ed curriculum with an agenda. It's to teach things different scientifically. It's an agenda to get kids to be sexually active. Right. No big deal. Get yeah. an STI, no big deal. No big deal. Nothing's no big deal. Yeah. Uh, and I think and it is a big deal. Yeah. That's the part that I think parents need to understand, that it's not a curriculum that might pique a child's curiosity. It's a curriculum that is deliberately encouraging kids to, as young as seventh grade, okay, so what, 11, 12 years old, to be sexually active and also encourages them to decide that maybe they're not a boy or a girl and they should start transgender treatments right away. That's another part of it. Yeah, it's, a, it's really interesting. It goes very deep. If you're, if you're going to teach children that they cannot self-categorize the world or themselves, they're, they're never going to be able to independently think. Yeah. So they're always going to require someone, which is usually someone in power, to tell them what the truth is. <laughs> and so it's, it's part of a bigger problem. Yeah, it's, and this curriculum definitely plants those seeds. Yeah, it's a, it's a huge problem. Well, uh, Joelle, uh, thank you for calling in today. And uh, if you and I really appreciate that update, and I hope that you do well, and other people who want to to fix this problem. And um, how would you encourage parents to be involved going forward after today, regardless of what happens? I would definitely go to board meetings, and you know, if you have to get the kids to soccer practice, you don't have time, then get a group of parents together and rotate. But make sure that you know what's going on in the school board meetings, that you're connected with the teachers and the principals. And please look on page two and right. <laughs> go a little bit deeper. I know we all get busy, but this is why we've, we've gotten to this place. So right. you really have to insert yourself in, in this day and age. All right. My guest is Joelle Mancuso. She is a candidate today for Corneo Valley Unified School District. If you haven't voted yet, please look her up and uh, and give her a vote and um, pay attention to all those people that you're voting for. As Joelle said earlier, uh, 
Last week, which we've we've stolen from you a lot, uh, Joelle, is start at the back of your ballot. Yes, and it's not too late. It's four o'clock. Get down there and vote. Put your jacket on. Put your winter sandals on. <laughs> right. Go vote. And wherever you are, these are issues uh, wherever you are. Thank you, Joelle, for calling in to Southern California Live today. Thank you, Scott. All right. Bye bye. 888-528-2557. If you would like to join the conversation, this is Southern California Live. It's Election Day. 888-528-2557 is the number. You can also send an email to SoCalLive at KKLA.com. You know, I think it's important, and we're we're talking about a lot in the election today, Democrats and Republicans, and who's going to control the House, and who's going to control the Senate, and uh, what ultimately is going to happen, you know, with the, the course of the uh, the Biden administration and the agenda of the Biden administration, the agenda of Republicans, all of the stuff that's national conversation. And it's connected, you know, to to what we're doing here. But my friends, can I encourage you to think this way, is that whatever happens today, whoever ends up in control of Congress and whoever, uh, you know, whatever that means, politically speaking, which you don't really know. Right. Uh, you know, President Clinton lost a whole bunch of people uh, in his uh, first midterm. I think that was the the Republican wave of 1994. And then President Clinton put his finger in the air and changed directions and got overwhelmingly reelected and decided to work with the Republicans. And they they balanced the budget. Can you believe it? Um, and there were other things going on with the Clinton administration we didn't know about yet. But, uh, <clears throat> um, you know, you don't know what is going to happen. But I think when we're paying attention, better things happen. But can I encourage you to really pay attention to the local races? And even if you haven't paid attention, even if you voted, you know, a month ago and you just didn't think about it, um, can I get you to do this? When this ends today or tomorrow or next week, whenever they finish counting the votes, whenever we finally know, whenever the protests happen or they don't happen or whatever is going to go on, ask yourself this question. What now? And if what comes to mind is, well, we don't have an election for two years, I won't think about it. Can I encourage you to not think that way? It's too important, and especially where it comes to our kids. I, I do not believe that most parents, Democrat or Republican or Independent or Green Party or whatever party, there's all kinds of weird parties out there now. There's a bunch of small ones out there, uh, especially in some other states. Um. Whatever the case may be, I think most of us are on the same page when it comes to kids. We should be horrified, absolutely horrified by the terrible education that's happening with our kids and how much worse it got during the COVID uh, shutdowns. But it was bad before that, and it's been getting worse for a long time. This is about studying math and English and science and the things that actually matter uh, for an education, meaning that you know, an education should get you to the point where you can function in society, where you can get and hold a job, when you can create a career, when you can start a business, where you could go to college, maybe get an advanced degree, use that for something that is helpful. If you can't read or write or do basic math or some of those things, you know, my kids, they like to say, right, when am I going to use this in life? And you know what? I know I said the same thing when I was in, you know, grade school and junior high. And I get it. I, I understand the, the far side joke. Remember the far side? I miss Gary Larson. Uh, remember the far side when um, it had a, a picture. It was libraries in hell is what the, the far side joke was. And the titles of all the books were word problems, more word problems, still more word problems. 
And I hated word problems. You know, a, a train leaves Baltimore going, you know, 60 miles an hour and another train leaves, you know, <clears throat> Washington, D.C. going 40 miles an hour um, and they're on the same track. At what point, you know, will they crash into each other and have a fiery explosion? You got to figure out all the math. I hated those. But the thing is, is that those problems, they teach you how to think. They teach you how to think through a process. Whenever you had to memorize state capitals or memorize those things, it's great to know the state capitals. I mean, on Election Day, you know, it's kind of nice to know what the state capitals are, and you can kind of follow along nationally a little bit better. But, you know, the real part of that was it trained your brain to think, to be able to memorize, and to be able to do regular functions. We've been sacrificing so many things so many things in our, our education system to produce more graduation. We lower the standards. We reduce what is necessary to graduate as far as passing exams and actually having knowledge and understanding. And it's in the name of graduation, but not in the name of education. How in the world are we going as a nation compete with India or China or on the world stage at all if we can't read or write? I think it's it's the civil rights issue of our time, education. You know, the numbers for people of color are so much worse in so many ways. It's a huge deal. Please do not let this conversation end because the election's over. Parents, and I'm a parent. In fact, my my kids don't go to public schools, but I'm getting in line to go to the local school district and just be there to represent all the other kids. I'll do anything to keep my kids out, but if I have to send them there, I want it to be better. And we want our public schools to be better. And this is something where we really have something to offer. And I think as as believers, you know, there is a statement that we make in the culture when we speak out for those who are being hurt, when we speak out for those who don't have a voice. And that's the tragedy of a lot of these curriculums and things is that the the curriculums are targeted towards seventh graders and eighth graders, kids who are kind of at an age where you're embarrassed to go talk to mom and dad. I would have, you know, I might have talked to my parents about this stuff, but uh, I don't remember any conversation on the subject that I wanted to have with my parents, but you have to do it. You've got to be there. You've got to be a part of it. It matters greatly. So I want to encourage you to stay involved and to not get discouraged. Last hour, we heard from some callers, you know, who just felt like, hey, you know what? Um, the uh, My votes don't count. It doesn't really matter. I think that we're in a movement here that does matter and not just however the election turns out today. So what? Keep going. Get involved. Find ways to work with people even who might disagree with you on some issues. Find the things that you agree with and bring it together. I just want to encourage you that way. I think it really, really matters. Um, you're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. Did you win the billion dollar lottery? Two billion dollar lottery. Two billion dollars. Uh, the gas station attendant who won that lottery was interviewed. Uh, the, the store, wherever you buy those lottery tickets, they get a gift. How much money would you say the gas station owner gets for the two billion dollar ticket? You know what? He gets a lousy million dollars. This is him. How'd you find out about uh, it? I find out the lottery let me know that give me some news in the morning early. Did they call you? Yes, they come here before I open. What they say? They are here before I open. What what waiting for say? me. They, they say, say congratulations, your station is the winner. So he wins a million dollars. Somebody then in the press asks him if he's going to lower gas prices. So, so the community yeah. wants to know, are we lowering gas prices? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Ah! 
This is the first. This is the first. Now you can hear, you can barely hear somebody in the background who I think is his son, so uh, part of the family business. He goes, not that much. <laughs> you know, the station owner only gets a lousy million dollars. I guess we'll find out who wins the two billion. And then if you take the lump sum, which is what you should do, I think, if you ever were to do that, um, I don't think I won because you got to buy a ticket to win. But, um, you know, I think – and then the taxes come out and whatever. It's kind of crazy. You know, it'll radically change your life for most of the time. It makes your life worse. You know, lottery winners, they don't do well. We're going to find out who it is because you got to publish the name in California. Some states you get to keep that private, which I think would be the, the right thing to do. Um, but I thought that's a, a very interesting thing going on in our state there. But your hope is not there. Your hope is in Christ. And that's something that we always want to remember. Hey, friends, before we take a break here, I want to invite you to the Ferocious Election Day special. Right after this program, we will begin putting results together. And uh, on our show, what I do, it's a Facebook group. It's called the Ferocious Election Day special, F-U-R-R-O-W-C-I-O-U-S. You can find it at ferocious.com or you can uh, – you can, there's a link at uh, our station website if you go to the Southern California Live page. You can find the link. If you can't, go to ferocious.com or look for the Ferocious Election Day special on Facebook. Um, you can find my Facebook page and it'll link you to it. Um, and we just put out results. Our goal is to get them to you faster than the news media will do. We'll start uh, sometime between 5 and 5.30, most likely today. I want to encourage you to join us, and we have fun. It's nonpartisan, whichever side of the aisle you're on. Please join us. We're going to have a lot of fun. I'm going to blow up your phone starting uh, probably about 5.30 or so. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. We'll be back as the Tuesday edition continues. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Text Scott right now in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live Election Day. And I do hope that you are getting out to vote. Vote early and vote often. No, just get out there and and vote. I know it's going to be rainy and windy, but it does matter. I think this is an opportunity that we have. You know, this is what I think. I think biblically that what you should do is you should vote for who you want, who you think is the right person, who you think is whoever you think is going to be the best leader in every possible way. But then you have to pray for whoever actually wins. You got to pray for them. They can repent. They can do something incredible. God can work on, you know, if if you think the person who gets elected is an absolute pagan, and we do have a bunch of them on the ballot, and they're in both parties on the ballot, they can repent. And you know what? It's pretty powerful. It's a powerful thing. There's a story biblically about this that I think is it's very, very relevant. And I think we need to understand this because with the tension today and with, I think, what is probably going to play out now for a couple of weeks, maybe, uh, hopefully not. I'm hoping that we don't have, you know, people who are you know, a situation where it where all these things are wrong, especially in Arizona and Pennsylvania and who knows who else or where else. You know, I hope that it's just the 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 winners are so clear that that it doesn't matter that there are problems, only that whoever wins will promise to fix the problems. But something I want you to keep in mind, something I have to keep in mind, something that matters the most, is that we are called by God to make disciples. That is by far the number one thing we do. As citizens of heaven, this is the most important thing for us 
to do and to consider. And that means when we are talking about issues that we talk about during the election, when we are talking about ways that we might be opposed by policy or by other candidate, whatever it is that we might disagree with people who are in our life who we are supposed to minister to, we have to do, we have to disagree with the understanding in mind that our greatest goal is not to win or lose the argument, but to win souls, to let people know that Jesus ultimately is the Lord. And I think when you have that in mind, it will help keep things very clear. It will help make things as certain as possible uh, as far as your trustworthiness. I think trustworthiness matters. And it matters, obviously, in the election. It matters with our the people who win. We want them to be trustworthy. Even if we disagree with them, we would at least like to know that they are being honest with us from their perspective, if that makes any sense. What you need to be to the people who are not believers in your life, your coworkers, your classmates, your family, your next-door neighbors, your roommates, your dorm mates, wherever God has placed you, is you need to be trustworthy. They don't have to agree with you on everything that you might think in life. What they need to do is to be able to trust you that when the time comes that you give a reason for the hope that you have, that as believers we're supposed to be prepared for, that when that moment comes, your trustworthiness is not hindered because you weren't trustworthy about other things. It could be the election. It could be just stuff at work. You know, if you, if everybody knows that you're breaking the rules and robbing people at work or that you're a dishonest person in general, then it becomes very difficult <clears throat> to share Jesus when that time comes. So all the time, every week, I'll ask you to invest in that group of people. We call it your oikos, the 8 to 15 people that God has purposefully and providentially placed in your relational world. That's your oikos. I believe that every believer has a group of people around them that are on purpose. I think, you know, everybody has this this oikos. It's a sociological word. It's an old word. It's a biblical word, actually. It means relational world, ultimately. The people that you do life with, the people that you interact with on a regular basis. I think when it comes to discipleship, when it comes to being somebody who is a believer, the people who are closest to you, the people that you work with, the people who are in your family or you live with, your next-door neighbors, you know, if you were given the opportunity to tell the world about Jesus, most people wouldn't know whether to believe you or not. But there's a small group of people around you who would know whether or not you believe that stuff, who would know whether or not you're really saying the things that you that you really believe the things that you're saying. That's your oikos, right? You can't fool them. They they hear what you say at work. They see what you do in the ho- household. They know what you're like in the neighborhood. That's your oikos. See, and those are the people where you make disciples. That's where discipleship happens. So, you know, one of the most primary reasons that some non-Christians, and I'm speaking to Christians here, and if you're a non-Christian, you know, you can agree or not, but some people... One of the reasons that non-Christians say they don't come to church with you or they don't respond to your invitation is because they see the church's involvement in politics or they see it involved in other stuff, and they sometimes see dishonesty and ignorance or mean-spiritedness. And the studies are indicating that the gospel of Jesus Christ does get lost in the political fray, as important as the political fray is, okay, for our, our daily lives. And there are things right now that we've talked about on this program even today, that we need to be out there voting to protect kids from horrific policies that are being foisted upon them in our schools. We have to do that in the name of Christ, number one, in the name of protecting kids. I think most people agree 
that we should do that. But there's a way to do it that's right and a way to do it that's not right. I mean, if you if you as the Christian person are, you know, personally threatening school board members or vandalizing things, if you were doing that, or or just behaving poorly, you know, then it becomes not just an issue of what's right or wrong, it becomes something else. You see what I'm saying? We don't want to create an environment where you're, the people in your relational world, your oikos, can't hear the gospel because they get a sermon about some kind of left versus right issue, and it leaves them thinking that God's plan for their life is that they can vote a certain way. That, I think, matters. We have two citizenships. God put you in the United States. Most of you listening are in the United States. I know some of you on the apps are around the world. God put you in whatever country you're in. But most of you are in the United States who are listening. But you are first and foremost, wherever you are, a citizen of heaven. And your king, the king of kings, has given you an assignment, a position, and an example to follow. We represent the Most High God. And therefore, even in the politics, we have to do it the best we can with love and truth and wisdom. And that includes how we are stewards of our United States citizenship as well. Now, there's going to be people who disagree with you, who call you a hater and cancel you. That's the, that's the culture we live in, okay? There's Christians who might say, well, you can't be a Christian because you vote a certain way or whatever. You can't you know, please everybody. But I think you can do what you're doing. And I think most of you do. I think most of you do a really good job with this in your conversations with people. But I think that we, we have to keep in mind that there's something else, Okay. And there's a, a biblical principle that matters, okay? Something that we can be very clear about. I mentioned at the outset of this segment, you're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. You can send me an email, by the way, SoCalLive at KKLA.com. I mentioned at the outset here that sometimes leaders change their mind. There's a great biblical leader who changed his mind, and it's uh, Nebuchadnezzar. You've probably heard of that guy. Around 580 B.C., what's going on there is most of Israel is destroyed in the history of Israel, okay? And uh, most people are not acknowledging Israel's God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God who I would worship, who is the God of Jesus Christ, who, who is Jesus Christ, I need to say, um, who is Jesus Christ and the God of the New Testament, the God of the Old Testament, same God. That God is not being acknowledged by the ruling authorities of that day the Babylonian Empire. And it matters because there is a moment of clarity that we get in Daniel chapter 4 that's a lesson for, for all of us. And I think it's one that we can't afford to lose sight of, no matter how things turn out in this election, no matter what the result of it is. Because the issues that we are most concerned about, first of all, they don't go away just because you win or lose an election. They keep going. Things have to be accomplished. You know, it's what now? Don't wait two more years to care about things until the next election. But because we have something greater, it's our relationship with the people that God has placed in our relational world. Um, in Daniel chapter 4, you have this great story. It says, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at home in my palace, contented and prosperous. All right, it's good to be the king. He's the king. He's contented and prosperous. He says, I had a dream that made me afraid. As I was lying in my bed, the images and visions that passed through my mind terrified me. So he's home, and then he describes the dream. The, the dream is a giant tree that everybody could see, and it represented power and glory and majesty, and all the animals of the earth came and grazed under it. But suddenly there was a voice, I'm summarizing here, a voice and a messenger from heaven that cut down the tree, and it was cut down and bound to the ground with chains. And as the dream went on, he hears the voice in the dream say this in verse 17. 
The decision is announced by messengers. The holy ones declare the verdict so that the living may know that the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone he wishes and sets them over the lowliest of men. There's this great announcement here that I think is relevant for for all of us. And it's so that the living may know, not just so that Nebuchadnezzar will know, right? This is for everybody. Who are the living? Well, that's us. Back then it was then. They're now the dead people, but we are the living. This is still relevant to us. This Remember, this is God giving a dream, giving a, a message here to a pagan king, not a Jewish king, a pagan king, not a Christian king. All right? There weren't any yet, but but somebody who is not a follower or not believer in the living God and gives him this message so that the living may know. Well, Nebuchadnezzar freaks out. He calls Daniel to come interpret this dream. Hey, what does this mean, Daniel? What do you think this means? And, and, you know, Daniel is terrified to what it means. He's so terrified when you read this that Nebuchadnezzar even comforts Daniel. (laughs) That Daniel is so weirded out. And, you know, Nebuchadnezzar got his arm around him or something saying, man, it's going to be okay, Danny. And Danny says, no, it's not going to be okay because you, Nebuchadnezzar, are that tree. This is the interpretation, verse 24. O king, and, and this is the decree, the Most High has issued against my Lord the king. You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like cattle and be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven times will pass by you, for you will, will seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone he wishes. Verse 26, uh, the command to leave the stump of the tree with its roots means that your kingdom will be restored to you only when you acknowledge that heaven rules. I like that, by the way. It's a pretty cool statement there. Heaven rules. That's something that we all have to keep in mind right there during any time in our life, but especially right now when we're in the intensity of the election. Some of you are going to be really excited tonight with whatever happens. Some of you will be very disappointed. Maybe everybody's kind of going to be in the middle. You know, Maybe it's not as big one way or the other as people think. Who knows what it is? But regardless of what the the situation is, heaven rules. And you need to know this. And you need to know this, that biblically speaking, leadership is given by God at his choosing. And the leader's job is to be a steward of that authority. It's a role that is short term. And that leader is accountable to the living God. Okay, and you're, that leader is accountable to the living God even when that leader does not believe that the living God exists. You see what I mean? That you know, Nebuchadnezzar might have thought he's the king because of the family he was born into or because of his military leadership or financial skill. You might think that the president or the winners of the elections today in the Senate are in those roles because of their campaign skills, their fundraising skills, or, you know, whatever it is. But here's the deal, biblically speaking. Leadership, even at the highest levels, are always given by God, and it's something that is to steward, something that is this power over people. And it's always short-term, temporary, and that leader will be held accountable because heaven rules. That leader is held accountable whether or not they believe God exists. That is something biblical. You want to know what happened to Nebuchadnezzar? We'll get to that here in just a minute. i got to take a break. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. When we get back, I'll tell you what happened to Nebuchadnezzar. And this is the reason that we can be confident no matter what happens in this election today or any election in the future. I'm Scott Furrow. I'll be back as the Tuesday edition of Southern California Live continues. 
This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Welcome back, everybody. Last call from SoCal Live to go out and vote. I know it's rainy and it's dark and windy, and uh, but go ahead and do it. It matters. It matters for the kids. Start from the back of your ballot. Some of those school board members, and if you haven't, if you have not voted yet, take a few minutes, go online, look up those people, and find out who wants to have um, pornography and bad stuff taught to kids and who doesn't. Vote for the ones who don't. That matters a lot. I'm more curious about that. We may not learn what happens with all of that, but I'm more curious about what happens there nationally than I am even about the the national election. You know, the Republicans and Democrats have been flip-flopping the Senate and the House for a long time. It matters for sure, definitely matters, not saying it doesn't. But right now, you know, that matters. you got to vote there. But sometimes people just vote for the top candidates, the candidates they've heard of, the the statewide elections and the national ones, and then they don't vote for the rest when those people are making decisions for your kids that matter. And especially here in California, they're just – it's not good. And uh, I think most of us, I don't think it's a Democrat Republican issue. I think that it is a group of people who no one has been paying attention to, who's been getting away with a lot and parents need to, to vote. So I want to encourage you to go out there and, and vote as we've been doing before the break, we were talking about why it is that we need to vote for who we think is the right candidate, but then we need to pray for the winner. Like whoever wins, even if it's somebody who you think is one of these people who is making bad decisions for kids, you pray for them because they can repent. And in the Bible, you have this great example of a leader who repents, and it's Nebuchadnezzar. And what we talked about is that even though he's a pagan leader, even though he is somebody who um, uh, somebody who does not believe in Israel's God, doesn't believe in your God, doesn't believe in the living God, the living God gives him a dream to say something very, very important. And that dream says, hey, Nebuchadnezzar, you don't know who I am, but I'm in charge. And I'm the one who put you there. In Daniel chapter 4, 26, it says that heaven rules, that he will, what it predicts is that Nebuchadnezzar ultimately is going to lose his mind and his kingdom, and he will be out of it until he acknowledges that heaven rules. I think it's one of the coolest statements, and that's what happens. So Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar brings Daniel in to interpret the dream. And he says this, therefore, O king, be pleased to accept my advice. Renounce your sins by doing what is right and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. It may be then your prosperity will continue. Well, as it continues on, it says all this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. Okay, and 12 months later, as the king was walking on the roof of his his royal palace of Babylon, he says, is not this great Babylon I have built as the royal residence by my mighty power for the glory of my majesty? That must be a Babylonian, ancient Babylonian accent. And it says, the words were still on his lips when a voice came from heaven. This is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken from you. You will be driven away from people and live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like cattle. Seven times will pass by you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone he wishes. And immediately what had been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. All of those things happen. See, what's happening here in Daniel is God's pointing out that even the most powerful person in the world is the servant of the living God, whether he wants to acknowledge that or not. And God says this at the end of the experiment. Nebuchadnezzar is going to come to this conclusion that the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone he wishes. 
when you get down to verse 34, it says, At the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven, and my sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified him who lives forever. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the powers in heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? See, nobody can say that to God. You can't say to God, what have you done? I mean, you can say it, but you can't say it from the standpoint of having authority, right? God has the authority. You can say, God, what have you done? You know, I've cried that out before. God, what are you doing? That's okay. You can, but you are not in a position of authority. Sometimes I think we put ourselves in positions of authority. You know, God, why did that person get elected? I would never, if I were God, I would not have elected that person. You know, why is our country in jeopardy today? The thing is, is, folks, is that God does what he wants and he gives us leaders according to his own plans. Now, those leaders aren't supposed to do evil. They're held accountable for their evil. All right. The scriptures, and, you know, it, this bothers people when we have bad or evil le- leaders out there. You know, how can you say God is sovereign over this when we get, you know, some terrible, terrible people who have led nations? And the question, the response really is this, is would you be feel better if God is not sovereign over it? Meaning that God has no idea what's going to happen, that God does not have a hand in who becomes the leader and who doesn't, that it's just all to chance, that God might look down and go, I can't believe those people did that. Why did they vote that way? Why did they elect that person? Uh, I'm really confused. That's, you know, that's, to me, that's more scary. It's more scary to say God is not in control and bad leaders might come to power than it is to say God is in control and he has allowed some bad leaders to come to power. And I don't like that. I don't even understand that fully. But I feel better knowing that at the end of the day, God is still in charge, and it matters greatly, right? This matters. Nebuchadnezzar, it says, at the same time that he did this, my sanity was restored, my honor and splendor were returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out, and I was restored to my throne and became even greater than before. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven, because everything he does is right and all his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. See, that is the clarity we need about our elections. That when we are called to pray for our leaders, when the people we didn't vote for win, or when the people we did vote for disappoint, we pray for them either way. And we have to have faith that they can repent. I mean, if Nebuchadnezzar can repent, then so can anybody who is the president or who wants to be or anybody who's in Congress or in Senate or a governor or a mayor. We need to be on our knees praying. Imagine how powerful it is. Imagine how powerful it was when Nebuchadnezzar repented to all of his advisors and everybody looking at him that said, you are some, Nebu- you are some Babylonian guy who worshiped Marduk, Marduk, Babylonian God who uh, now you've rejected all of that and you're taking this Jewish God, a people that you conquered. I mean, imagine how powerful that was. And this is what the, the word of God says, that the most high is sovereign over the kings of men and he gives them to anybody he wishes and sets them over the lowliest of people. It happens over and over and over again. This is why it's important. It's important that you know that because ultimately your your ability to care for your neighbor is, and to witness to your neighbor, to share Christ, is to make sure that you understand that everybody gets grace, including politicians you can't stand. That if they turn their life to Christ and repent, they get saved. And I think with, a lot, with that, what comes is better decisions. 
that they would actually change how they're doing things. You need to show that, we need to show that grace to even our opponents when we lose. As Christians, we need to do this because our our ability to make disciples matters the most. So when you get up tomorrow and your side has won or lost, you can be very clear. You can be very clear that the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone he wishes. And you can be clear that God is in charge, that he is sovereign. And whether it's good or bad for our nation, all of that is temporary because God's plan, God's plan to ultimately bring everybody to him is what matters. And that's where history actually is going. That's actually what matters. So that is an important thing. And if it bothers you, if it struggles, I encourage you to go study. Study the book of Daniel. Get into what the scriptures say and realize that they command us. Second Timothy commands us. First Timothy chapter 2 commands us that all petitions, prayers, and intercession and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in godliness and holiness. This matters greatly. So I'm going to encourage you to get out there and vote. And however it turns out, you trust that the Lord has us and our country and the world in his hands, and everything in history is headed towards the culmination of every knee bowing before Jesus Christ. One last chance, if you want to join me tonight for election results, go to uh, ferocious.com, F-U-R-R-O-W-C-I-O-U-S. That's my last name, Furro, F-U-R-R-O-W-C-I-O-U-S. It's the Ferocious Election Day special. I'll give you results. We will be on top of it. We will stay up late and uh, deal with everything across the country right into California and Los Angeles and San Diego and the Southland and all of that stuff. As long as I can stay awake, you'll be with me. Go to ferocious.com. You can find it at our, our website, our show page, or just go to ferocious.com, Ferocious Election Day special. It's on Facebook. And uh, do that. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. Great to be with you today. Get out there and vote. God bless you. I will see you tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.